global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Tribune Media says it intends to explore strategic and financial alternatives for the broadcasting company. And Federal Mogul Holdings' largest shareholder, activist investor Carl Icahn, offered to buy the rest of the auto parts maker for $7 a share. And futures are pairing their earlier losses Following a second weekly gain for the S&P 500 index, this is after China's central bank stepped up efforts to cushion the country's economic slowdown. S&P E-mini futures now down one and a half points. Dow E-mini futures down 15. NASDAQ E-mini futures down nine. DAX in Germany down one percent. Ten-year Treasury up three thirty seconds. The yield one point seven five percent. NYMEX crude oil up six tenths percent or twenty one cents to thirty two ninety nine a barrel. COMEX gold is up nine tenths percent or ten dollars eighty cents to twelve thirty one. 130 an ounce. The euro, a dollar oh eight eight six. The yen, one thirteen point oh nine. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Thank you, Karen. We're talking with Phil Swagel, senior fellow and professor at the University of Maryland School of Public Policy, formerly Assistant Secretary for Economic Policy at the Treasury Department. He helped write the original TARP legislation that bailed out the banks. Now he's looking at what happens next and arguing that Dodd-Frank had better work or we could be in a lot of trouble. Uh, the next crisis you suggest uh, is out there. It will happen, but... The thing is, we never know exactly how it's going to happen. So how do we know that Dodd-Frank addresses the right things? Right. I mean, that that's the problem. If we knew, of course, people would address it. I, I was just thinking during the NGIT commercials that that's, you know, the kinds of things they're talking about are super important. We could have a cyber-related crisis, uh, you know, something from China, uh, like the, you know, who knows? Um, there's a lot of important steps that have been taken that the, the banks are, are in much better position now than they were uh, before the crisis, much more capital. Um, they're much more resilient, and, and that's important. Um, the Fed is, is imposing a new requirement on them for essentially convertible capital to so-called TLAC, uh, loss-absorbing capital. Um, and, you know, but ultimately we still are going to have a crisis. At some point it will be a big one, and that's where the new tools in Dodd-Frank the, the Title II, the Resolution Authority, that's where they come in, and that's why I focus so much on uh, on that in, in my paper. Yeah, Phil, good morning, and congratulations on timing your paper. I'm sure you knew that Neil Kashkari was coming down the pike. I did uh, not. You, you know, did not I, know uh, that. The paper is written before I knew anything about Neil's yeah. initiative, but obviously we were, uh, look, Neil and I were together in the crisis, and uh, right. anyone who was there, you know, uh, has been thinking about these issues. Are you going to go to Minneapolis to his soiree? No, so, you know, I certainly would if uh, if he wants to include me. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to the first one. I saw he's, uh, you know, he's launching with uh, Professor Admati from Stanford and uh, Simon Johnson from uh, okay. MIT. What is your? That's wonderful. What is your distinction between Johnson of thirteen bankers? Uh, Anad is, is, I guess, most hated professor uh, coast-to-coast among bankers. What is the Swagel distinction between those two first-class academics? Oh, sure. They're, they're excellent academics. Um, you, you know, Simon, it's a little bit hard to know what he's actually calling for. Um, Ad- Admati has a very clear message, uh, more capital. And the problem is that it's tough to 
figure out how much more capital. And right, she has a whole book that doesn't, you know, busy doesn't take that on. And in fact, she actually criticizes the people who try to do that hard work. So to me, that's that's why I admire what Neil is doing. Is that he's saying, look, this is an important question, and he wants to do the work. Right? He's got a whole staff out there in Minneapolis, excellent staff. And they're going to do it, and it's ultimately it's cost-benefit analysis, and he wants to actually do the work and not, you know, not talking symbols. Okay. If he was to break up the banks, say he does that by 4th of July, that's a joke, folks. <laughs> uh, but if he was to break up the banks, what's he do? Is it like John D. Rockefeller and Ida Tarbell and the breaking up of Standard Oil? I mean, help me here. You know, that's right. I mean, look, a lot of people when, uh, you know, IBM and AT&T were, were uh, having this happen to them had dire predictions, and that has worked out pretty well. Um, but, look, he's got a menu of things in his uh, his launch speech. Um, breaking them up is one possibility, but I, I, as you're kind of hinting at, if we had three really big, really big banks instead of one enormous J.P. Morgan Chase, would that thing be – would that, those three entities be safer? It's not – yeah, it's not at all clear. The Fed, um, are they doing enough right now that Neil uh, needs to supplement what they're doing? Um, you know, Dan Tarullo seems to have been fairly firm on all of this. Um, you know, the Fed has done a lot of good things. Uh, the, the, you know, more capital, uh, is by far the most important thing. And that's what, uh, you know, Anad Admati from Stanford, that's really been her, her call. Um, on, on the other hand, the Fed is, is oddly responsive on regulatory issues to political pressures. And I look at that in, you know, at least two ways, right? One is on the liquidity rule, essentially making sure banks have, have adequate high, um, high quality liquidity, where the Fed is allowing municipal bonds to act as high quality liquidity which of you know is it, it, those things are going to be liquid until the next crisis and then they're then they're not um and the fed also uh, essentially eviscerated the um the risk retention provisions in dodd frank the sort of skin in the game that you know originators had to keep exposure to the uh you know to the risk they're they're bundling into securities so the fed has done a lot of good but on um regulatory policy including dan Tarullo, they're oddly responsive to uh political pressure do you think that um, they have weakened the, the Dodd-Frank regulations in a way that could be dangerous? No, you know, in, in some ways, the risk retention, and the, the two I just pointed out, risk retention and liquidity, uh, for sure. You know, in others, I think they've improved what Dodd-Frank has in there. Uh, for example, the Volcker Rule, which is, is basically a solution in, in search of a problem, the Fed implemented that in a way that I think is the least damaging to the economy, by, by turning it into a, a way to improve uh, risk management, um, so that's you know that, that's to the Fed's credit. So it, it's it's a mix, and, and there is good in Dodd Frank, and you know not many Republicans are willing to say that, uh, and you know that's the challenge is to, to to maximize the good. Within this, how do you respond to banker types? And of course, Mr. Ratner uh, with us a, a week ago or so in defense of our international expansion of banks. Phil, do we risk losing our international excellence in transactional banking? That's a absolutely. It, it's a danger. And that that I would put on the benefit side of the ledger of large banks. And that, to me, that, you know, this is a, it's not, it's not like a math problem like arithmetic, but it's an analysis problem in trying to do the cost-benefit analysis and that's what you highlighted. We have global banks that are excellent, and we have a you know, big trade surplus in financial services suggesting that we have uh, you know, this, this excellence. And we don't want to lose the good unless it's outweighed by the bad. 
is it necessary to have banks as big as we have them now? You know, that to me, that's the hardest question because you can say, you know, look, there are some activities where you want a global bank with global reach. You know, you're, you know, some multinational corporation arranging financial facilities uh, around the world. Uh, on the other hand, Neil, uh, in his, you know, first speech, there's Q&A, where he, he basically said, look, you know, multinational corporations have thousands of suppliers and why, you know, why can they buy nuts and bolts from 10 different companies but not obtain funding from 10 different banks? And that's a, you know, that's a legitimate question. This is just, just great. What else did you learn in your paper? One of the things, folks, that's great about Phil Schwagel is he works at his papers. He grinds them out. <laughs> How many times did you rewrite the paper? I'm guessing 10 times. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. It was originally a presentation at the Chicago Fed's banking conference, and mm. then I had the chance to go back and, you know, sort yeah. of write it up properly. So what yes, did you learn in the times. rewrite? What did you learn in the rewrite you didn't know when you started the paper? Uh, you know, I, I, to be honest – I have been in, um, a defender of large banks against some of the attacks, and I have a paper. Uh, actually, I have a piece in Bloomberg View from 2012 or 2013, saying we don't want to make big banks too small to succeed. And I, I still think that's the case, and that's that's the benefit side. You know, as I did the paper, thinking about the next crisis, that's when I started to think, hmm, you know, the Title II regime. It kind of sounds good on paper, but let me think about actually using it, you know, go back into policymaking, uh, you know, world and think about using it. And, and that's where I became, uh, you know, some, somewhat more, um, you know, more worried. Phil Swagel, thanks very Fabulous. much for being Fabulous. with us today. Um, formerly at the Treasury Department, now the University of Maryland <clears throat> School of Public yeah. Policy. Um, in, in yeah. affiliated with the Milken Institute, we should say. Yes, the paper yeah. came out through the Milken Institute, and uh, you know, a lot of people looking at the banking system these days and what could yeah. and should be done. What we're trying to do, folks, is give you a lack of hysteria. Mike and I will manfully try to do that tomorrow. What do they call the elections tomorrow? Super? Super Tuesday. Super Duper. Super Duper Tuesday. Super Tuesday. New and improved. No. New and improved. Well, I don't know. You know, there's a political debate on that. Boy, was it front and center over the weekend. We will be in Washington tomorrow in support of 99.1 FM. Washington and Baltimore. Thrilled to come down there to see Megan Murphy and Al Hunt, the team in Washington. Uh, they will be distributed across the nation. We decided to go to the nation's capital. In conversation with Jason Furman, Chairman of the President's Council of Economic Advisors, and then an important conversation with Alan Greenspan, our first conversation with the chairman since the advent of what I'm going to call global negative uh, interest rates. Really looking forward to that, and maybe, Mike, we can also talk to the chairman about productivity and that mystery. Lots to talk about with Chair Greenspan. We'll get his opinions well. on the Washington Nationals and Baltimore <clears throat> Yes, we could, we could get an update on spring training Washington style. Good morning, Washington 99.1 FM, all of you nationwide, Sirius XM Channel 119. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. We have another hour for you.